Welcome to the Global Citizen Life Podcast. Today on the show, we have Daniel Lawson. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I'm really happy to be here. And the conversations that you've been having with you, yes, I think it's so wonderful. It's such a valuable conversation to be having. And I know when I was first starting out, I kind of wish there was more stories like what we're going to share today and what you've been sharing were, have been available because it just does make such a difference when we're starting out to see others living this life, isn't it? I think it's just so great. Thanks. I, I'm glad to, to hear that. And also, you know, it's things have really changed, I, I believe, a lot since the pandemic. Um, before that, there was uh, people who had kind of the remote lifestyle were digital nomads. And it was kind of almost, I want to say in, in a way of sense of, well, they don't have real jobs. They work, but they travel, so they're not really working. And then one of, I think, the silver linings of the pandemic was people working from home, because I've been working from home for 20 some years now. And so it wasn't a thing back then. And then with travel and work and people think, well, you're here, you're there, you're, you're always doing stuff. Or, and it's like, yeah, but I'm working. And so one of those silver linings, I think, is showing people then, and them really realizing all the options that are available and all the different things that we can do. And, you know, there's, there's challenges. It's, and I'm not saying there's not challenges with a Monday to Friday, nine to five, because it's, everything is a give and take, but there's, there's definitely a lot of challenges with living a, a global lifestyle, traveling and running a business. Um, but for, for me anyway, it's worth those challenges. I have friends that say to me, mm -hmm. I can, I don't understand how you do what you do. Like you're always, I go to, I know my job, I go to work, whether I work a few days at home now, a few days in the office, and, and they're comfortable with that. And in my mind a little bit, I just think, oh, I'd kind of want to stab myself in the eye with a pencil because that would be so boring for me. But, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, because as I said, I've, I've been traveling and living in different countries since, um, well, living in different countries since 2011. I'm working from home mm -hmm. for over 20 years. So I'm so used to it that there's times that I think the Monday to Friday, nine to five is convenient and nice, but I don't think I would enjoy it long-term. Mm, yeah. 2011. Well, that's already over 20 years. I remember when I first traveled, I left New Zealand and I was in Guatemala. It was 2009, 2010. And just before that, living in Canada, actually. Um, but I remember I was, I was volunteering in a hostel and we had people traveling through we didn't really have Wi-Fi, but they managed to have SIM cards and they, and they were doing stuff on their computers. And it was, I think that was where things started really turning, like really starting to properly kick off in 2010. And it blew my mind to think and to consider that you could travel and work from your computer and never have to go home. You could just stay on the road if you so chose. And I think that was the, the, probably the really first big turning point for myself when I saw that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's incredible when we look back at time, like how quickly things have changed. So with you, what, kind of, what started your, your journey for entrepreneurship and, and travel and how did it come about for you kind of combining both of them together? Yeah, it's a really good, really good question. I think it, it started from that moment that I just shared. Um, I loved traveling through my twenties. I love traveling uh, went to many parts of the world and it felt a bit like what I'd imagine a drug addiction to be. You got the high of traveling, run out of money, and then it was the crash to go home and go back to a work or a job that I didn't really particularly enjoy or a lifestyle that I didn't really like. And it was about the third time around, I made a commitment to myself and I was like, okay, I'm not going to travel anymore until I figure out a way that I can go leave and not have to come back. And what that would mean is making money away from home making money on the road. And I didn't really know how to do it. I wasn't even going down that route of entrepreneurship. I kind of gave into it a little bit because I didn't know what the pathway was. Um, I went and got a corporate job. I, 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 by the time I hit like 28, 29, I thought, well, maybe I should do what society tells me to do. Just go and get a job, get a good job, and, and, and maybe I'll be happy. And I got the corporate job. I was business development manager for this tech company, traveling back and forth between New Zealand and Australia, the Amex card and the high-rise apartment. I had my, uh, my sports car at Audi. It was beautiful. And there was a part of me that was just, I'd look out the window and I was overlooking the harbor and I'd see the wind come in and all I wanted to do was kite surf. 
And there's a part of me that was going, with a big part of me, actually, I had zeros in the bank account, but zeros in my life. I was empty. It sucked. Um, I came in first day of work, what was this, 2019. I, I came in, like, if you can imagine, I don't know what it is, but I, I imagined the smell was PTSD. Whatever PTSD smells like after a holiday, uh, um, a summer holiday, and I walked in, I resigned. And that's when there was the next major turning point. And so I went out, I was like, okay, I traded in my, my well-paid corporate career to go and work commission only in a sales job interstate. This is in Australia, moved from um, Sydney to Melbourne. And I got into solar sales and had to start figuring out some much more challenging problems. And I think a job is great. It gives you income certainty, but it's really easy to hit a plateau and go, well, what's next? And I don't think it's a, I think we've got higher quality problems to be solving if we want higher higher quality lifestyle or the lifestyle that it is that we want and so that was a really big turning point for me um, to start going okay well I got to if I want to survive in this world I need to figure out how to create value it's not about relying on someone else to pay my way I need to uh, there's I don't know where I learned it but I, I learned it somewhere that I thought the only certainty, income certainty that would exist or job security or whatever way you want to put it, the only certainty is my own ability to create income or my own ability to create value in exchange for income. And I was like, okay, that became my mission. And from there, life started ramping up. And that wasn't that long ago. That was 2019. And what are we, like less than five years ago, my life looks incredibly different as a result of that. Hmm. And I, I think it's it's great um, that we've that you've realized too. It, and it is, it's about giving, giving value as as being an entrepreneur. And I I say to people often too that a lot of times people who have jobs have a false sense of security in the fact of they say, Well, I, I go to my job, I get my paycheck. Sometimes some days I don't really do much or I don't work that hard. Other days I do, which that's fine. That's normal. And they still get the same paycheck. So it doesn't matter if they're working hard the whole time or if they're kind of slacking off three quarters of the time, they get the same mm -hmm. paycheck, which, okay, that's fine. But where the false sense of security comes in is how do you know that that job's going to be there next week, next month, or even next year, assuming that you like the job? So that, that's the first mm -hmm. thing, assuming that you, they like the job, because there's been many times, and I don't know um, about Australia, but within North America, there have been many times where people go to work one day and the doors are locked. Mm -hmm. They no longer have a job. And so that, that sense of security of, well, I have a job, I'm, I'm going to always make money. It's like, well, not necessarily. Now, there, there's also that insecurity being self-employed too, that you know, we have to have clients and have to be bringing in income. But I also say to people sometimes too, but if I really need to make more money, um, I have a big trip coming up or I'm not, like, I really want to do something. I have the option where I can work harder to make more and then maybe not work very much the next month because let's say I'm going on a fancy trip or a holiday that I've really liked and I really want to enjoy it where my friends who have the Monday to Friday, nine to fives, they don't really have that option. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's such a great point. And I think we're just talking about, you know, the pandemic and how that really changed the face of work and travel. Well, one thing that we noticed is how many people lost their jobs. Um, mm. uh, that happened in what, 2020, well, it started happening at the end of 2019, I guess, but 2020 is when the lockdowns were. I was so grateful that I started on the entrepreneurial journey a year before. I mm -hmm. felt like, I, I don't know, I feel like I had this whisper in my ear that said, the world has changed there is no such thing as job certainty or income certainty. I have to do something different. And I don't know what it was. I just had a whisper inside that said, go and do it. A year on, that people were losing their jobs, finding it really challenging, getting the government assistance. It wasn't a great place to be. And the world was locking down. And I was like, wow, I'm so grateful that I went out and I'm a year ahead. I wasn't prepared to just have no other income I, I was still you know one year into learning entrepreneurship without even having a proper business at that stage it was a scary place to be in but I was like wow well I'm a, a year ahead of like I would have been had I not started um, and that's where another big turning point was because the world locked down and I realized that it was a conflict with my values and I, I'm, I'm a free spirit and I'm a bit of a a non-conformist, maybe a little bit of a rebel at heart. 
Daniel, I don't know if you can hear me, but I cannot hear you and the screen is frozen. A lot of people, but I was prepared oh. to do something different. I'm uh, sorry, can you, uh, the, the, the screen froze and I, and I couldn't hear you. So can you kind of uh, start back over with um, a rebel at heart? That's kind of where yeah, yeah. it cut off. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a non-conformist. I'm a rebel at heart. And when, when the pandemic hit and the world was shutting down, the lockdown in Melbourne was one of the first, it was really bad. Um, I was like, it doesn't really suit my values. It doesn't suit who it is that I am. I probably didn't suit anyone, to be honest, but I was prepared to do something different. And I'm, I'm from New Zealand. I was living in Australia and there was some loophole that didn't force me to stay there. I found that. And I guess the idea was that I was supposed to go back to New Zealand, but I was like, well, what if I just go to Bali instead? My brother was living there. And, um, he said, well, COVID kind of doesn't exist here. And I was like, what do you mean it doesn't exist there? He goes, well, they're talking about it, but no one really cares. And so I flew to Bali and, okay, they locked down the country. But as long as you put um, a stickers over the cameras on your phone, then you're allowed in the bars and the clubs and the restaurants. And we didn't really wear masks and nothing happened. It was fine. And so there's two things happening there. I realized that having my own, building my own income gave me the freedom to go where it is that I wanted. Um, but also how important it is to be able to live out the values. I think that is, people talk about income, having income and being able to travel anywhere that's freedom. I think it was the freedom of being able to live out my values and to respond in the way that I wanted, um, which that's something that I, I have so much gratitude for in the entrepreneurial journey. I think it's such a wonderful gateway in finding out who it is that we are and what it is that we're made of. Uh, so that was another big turning point in how things really got started. And I feel like I was really thrown in the deep end with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was forced to make I was forced to make it work, but it was a much better quality challenge than being forced to stay in my apartment. So I was like, what should I go with? And so I chose the greater challenge. <laughs> Right. And well, and most times the higher the challenge, or I guess the harder the challenge, the higher the risk, the the better the outcome. The the results are are, are better in the end, even though, you know, it's 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 difficult and, and not knowing um what to do, but kind of those things of, you know, they say success is not how many times you fall down, it's about how many times you just get back up. I mean, yeah. if we we think about it you know, we, we don't know what we don't know until we do it and try. And every time we, we fall, I don't really like to use the word failure because to me, I don't believe in, I don't believe things are really failures. I think they're learning experiences or in finding things that don't work because, okay, well that didn't work that way, or I'm never going to do that again. Great. What am I going to do next time? How am I going to do it different? What am I now going to try? And, and that's life. I mean, how many times did we fall off a bicycle? How many times did we fall down learning to walk? We didn't fall three times and think, oh, this is too hard. I'm not doing it anymore. Right? We just mm -hmm. kept doing it. And eventually we, we keep moving forward. So what kind of business then? So you're now in Bali, you're there with your brother. So what, what business did you start? What did you get into doing? Yeah, so before I left, uh, before I left Melbourne, I'd started uh, a water sports apparel brand. It was called Parallax Apparel, and Parallax is a word that I learned when I was working in technology as an aerial imagery. So anyone listening to this that maybe comes from web design, photography, architecture, um, a parallax is it's an basically it's an optical illusion that happens when you change your perspective on an object. The object appears to look different, and mm -hmm. as I was moving into entrepreneurship, I was like, wow, what a metaphor for life. I thought I'd come up with this whole new concept. Um, Wayne Dwyer, he already coined it before me, but I'm glad I didn't know that. Otherwise, my ego would have been like, nope, that's not original. I won't listen to that. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I chose to listen to it, and it revolutionized my thinking, my approach. I was like, wow, everything is just perspective. Nothing is, nothing is real. Everything is kind of made up based on our filters and our beliefs and our approaches and our perspectives and what it is that we're choosing to notice. And Again, that changed the way that I was perceiving the world and, and opportunities that I was creating. So um, I, I created Parallax Apparel. I've got it. Um, I got it on the back of my. This is this is the sticker here. I keep it on the back of my my phone here. Parallax and um, nice. it, it tied in my inspiration for kiteboarding. I was working. I was I was I was kind of in um, affiliate marketing at that stage. So I originally built it as um, a marketing funnel 
into an affiliate marketing product. I wanted to learn, I want to show and demonstrate that the affiliate marketing education that I was learning how to build a business actually worked. So I went out and I wanted to prove because I kind of had imposter syndrome. So I went out and built an e-commerce business just to prove that the education worked so I could sell it. What ended up happening was the business was more successful than my affiliate marketing. So I was like, well, I guess it worked. It worked better than I thought. <laughs> and I kept that. And so that was Parallax mm -hmm. Apparel. Um, and when I moved to Bali, I was also at around the time just before the pandemic and as I got into entrepreneurship, I've realized that I had a, an epiphany that I didn't have everything figured out. Going through my 20s as a, as a male, I suppose as anyone, but specifically as a male that thought I was had everything figured out. No one could tell me what to do or what to believe or how to show up. Um, I didn't like the idea of coaching. But then when I got into entrepreneurship, I realized, wow, um, actually, I need some help. My life is not perfect. In fact, it's far from perfect. So maybe I should grow up a little and get some help with what it is that I want to achieve. And so I, I was doing personal development. I got into coaching. Coaching's expensive. And I didn't want to invest in a coach. So I thought I'll go and invest in the coaching education instead. I'll spend thousands of dollars, not on a coach, but on the education. So I was studying how to become a pro professional coach for myself. And I still had so many blocks around coaching. I thought it was someone standing on top of the hill telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And that didn't gel well with me, but I was learning how to do it for myself. Um, by the time I moved to Bali, I things started to change. I was trying to manage sort of two businesses by that stage. I got to Bali. There's no wind there for kiteboarding. The apparel kind of wasn't that interesting because it was more the inspiration. And I started realizing coaching and personal development, you got the tools to create the change rather than just inspire the change. And I was like, well, this is so much more important. It's so much more fulfilling. It's, it's so much more exciting. And so I got a lot of coaching myself at that point, got over the limiting beliefs of how it is that I can serve and what it is that I can create. And I started Parallax Transformations, which was back then it was in emerging entrepreneurship. And again, entrepreneurship was a word I didn't like. I thought it was all a bit egotistical and people making it about themselves at the expense of others in the community. And I didn't want to be an entrepreneur either. So I coined, I didn't actually coin the term. I picked it up from Jeremy Jensen, um, it's another really cool podcast that I love to follow, uh, the Adventurepreneur Playbook. I was like, Adventurepreneurship, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take that. And I started coaching emerging entrepreneurs to build adventure lifestyle businesses and from Bali. And I was able to model everything that it is that I'd learned and model it for my clients. And they loved it and transformed many lives. And I, think, I feel like I brought a lot of people along on this journey to enjoy it with myself and the communities that it is that we're creating um so that was that was a really wonderful game changing just such a fun time in my life lots lots of challenge bali is a special place it will pull out the challenges i was there for two years and everyone told me that i didn't believe it but it really did it changed my life <laughs> for anyone well, listening they'll know what i'm talking about that's that's great. I have not been to Bali. It's um on my my list. I, I think it would be amazing. And it's it's interesting how you're right when you said before, and it still is. I remember a few years ago, I was thinking about getting into coaching, and a friend of mine looked at me and they're like, Oh, don't be a coach. There's enough of those in the world. And I was just like, Oh, that's you know, it was like a bit of a sting. And I just thought, but why? Because when we I don't know why it was so kind of frowned upon for so long when when we really think about it if we think of you know professional athletes um famous actors and actresses and, and people like they have coaches they have people that help them i think though you're right that a lot of people probably felt the way that you did that oh it's somebody you know telling you what to do and you should do this and you should do this and you should and and there's a uh, a her as a hearing I heard recently, I believe it was Tony Robbins that said, "We need to stop shooting all over ourselves." You know, I should, you should, they <laughs> should. So I'm really trying to remove the word "should" from my vocabulary yeah. because, as you said earlier too, our our beliefs as as individuals, we really should question them because our our beliefs are really our own beliefs. Like the things that I think 
and and I maybe have strong thoughts to them. If there's no scientific evidence for it, it's just a thought. It's just my own personal experience, what my parents told me, my grandparents told me, my friends. And we come up with these beliefs and we we start to feel so strongly about them that we think that's true. But I also know that if I was taken from my parents as a child and moved to another country on the other side of the world, my beliefs would all be very different. And again, because our beliefs come from our environment, when we when somebody truly believes something, they can explain why they believe it. And sometimes it could be just, well, I had this experience and so that's why. And I would say, oh, great. Now I understand why you believe that. It makes sense because a lot of times when I've had some, I don't want to call them arguments, but strong conversations with people and they just say, because it's true. Like, but why is it true? So I think it is really good for people to question their beliefs. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to change your your beliefs or or anything like that, but just kind of question, why do I think this? Why do I believe this? Why why do I have these feelings and these thoughts about this topic? Um, and mm. and how do we move on from that? Mm. Yeah, there's so much to be said about that topic. I think uh, I, I think the coaching industry's got a bad name for really valid reasons there's a lot of amateur coaches out there there's a lot of um, poor mm -hmm. education there's a lot of certifications that don't mean shit and people know that so why would you trust an unregulated industry that doesn't really do much more than some goal setting or some advice giving and most people don't want to have advice there's so much advice in the world why would you want more advice um, that is more tailored to fit the person giving the advice and the person receiving the advice so there's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, but what you're saying about questioning mm. our, our own beliefs is so important. Like psychologists suggest that we make 30 or 60,000 or something decisions per day. I question that. I'm like, I don't think we make that many decisions. We're not making those decisions. Those decisions are already being made for us based on <laughs> our upbringing and our perceptions and our, our conditioning from childhood, through school, through society, through influences in our life they've all be made up for us. And so we can only start making decisions once we start acting from a place of being conscious with intention and to have conscious intention, we need to be questioning what it is that we are attending to, uh, for sure. Um, I, I prefer like what you mentioned about taking the should out of, uh, I've got so much to say on that. I, I really like it. I've removed the, the, like the word why. For me, why often will be received with with defensiveness you know why are you doing mm -hmm. that because and we've defended um and, it, and i find with my clients when we ask ourselves why we want to there'll be a part of us that will also want to defend it so i switch the language around and say well for what purpose or what, what what's the intention behind my belief of this and so when i start asking myself mm -hmm. what's the purpose of this often it will come back to saying because i want to be right because if there's something else then i might be wrong um, because this is the only way I know. And like, there'll be a whole lot of things and it starts bringing, uh, elevating the real truth that it is that we're hiding from. Most people won't want to face that truth. And that's why most people won't want to change. And that's why most people are still stuck living their reality. But then there is a select few that will be listening to this conversation and going, that's not me. I want to do something about it. And they're the select few that are going to take responsibility and make a change in their life and get the really wonderful results that are coming for them. And they're the people that I love to hang out with and speak with and work with and be inspired by and come together with. That's that's so true. I I sometimes, even with, with myself, I get frustrated with, with myself, um, maybe at where I'm at or if I'm thinking of what society thinks I should be at for the age that I'm at or for some people that I know um, that are, you know, not happy in life. And I'm just, and I, I get frustrated with it. Well, then change it. If if you're not going to change it, the, the way that I've always been to people, I'm like, you can complain once or twice. You can comment, you can mention you're not happy about something or you don't like something. But if you're not willing to change it, you're not allowed to complain. Hmm. Like that's just, and it's a rule for myself that I have for myself too. I'm not allowed to complain about anything unless I'm in the process of changing it. If I'm in the of taking the steps, whether it's learning to do something new or whatever it may be, then I can complain. 
because I'd be like, oh, this is mm. tough. This is hard, but I'm, I'm making the steps to change because I don't want to be wherever it is that I'm at. But I think if somebody's not willing to take the steps or do the things that need to be done to change it, that to me is saying you're fine with it. So therefore you have no right to complain. Yeah. Yeah. And well, as soon as you externalize something, um, by complaining about something, doing nothing about it, externalizing it, putting it out is someone else's responsibility, being at effect of what's happening around us or justifying mm -hmm. it, um, making excuses for it. All of that stuff is all out there. We can't control and influence that. So then we're going to be stuck hoping, wishing, waiting for something to change, which is never going to happen. Maybe it will happen by chance, but it's not really replicable. It's not going to get you the results fast or over and over mm. again. So I, I, I love that. The first step to anything is having the awareness around something. I think a lot of, and that comes back to the point that I made before about uh, facing our reality. Until we're prepared to face the truth that it is that we're hiding from, we're not mm. going to have the awareness. Without the awareness, nothing can happen. The first step is awareness. And then the second step is going, well, I have the awareness. I have a choice now. Am I going to keep doing and behaving the way that I've yes. been doing it? Or am I going to do something else? And if they're doing something else, if that's the route, well, then it has to come to responsibility going, okay, it's all on me because mm -hmm. it, unless it's on me, then I can't complain about it. I can't influence it. I can't affect it. I can't control it. There's nothing else I can do. So I may as well go back to the old way of being and live with that and be happy with it. <laughs> Right, right. It's, it's kind of what it comes back to a little bit of the definition of insanity, doing the same thing mm. over and over again, and expecting a different outcome. So if you are not happy with with any single part, and I don't mean a life as a whole, if you're not happy where you live, if you're not happy with your weight, if you're not happy with your job, if you're not happy with your income, like all of those things, if you're not taking step first to realize, as you said, and then it is taking those steps of, okay, I'm not happy. And I know sometimes when we ask people, well, what do you want? It's it's almost that it could be like an overwhelming question because if you think, well, I could have yeah. anything, what do I want? Sometimes they'll be vague. Well, I want to be happy. I want to have freedom. Well, what, you know, well, what is freedom? Or I want to have money. Well, why? How much? What would you do with it? Um, and, and asking those, those questions more detailed or giving more detailed answers. But I think what's just as important to do also to do is to say, what don't you like? What don't you want? And so when I was leaving Canada, it wasn't more of a, what do I want? It's more of what I don't want. I hate winter. I hate being cold. I was like, I am so <laughs> tired. I mean, there, there was a few other reasons as well. I can't just say it's just the weather, but the weather was a major factor of, I am so tired of being here. I need to change. And I am never going to live anywhere where winter is cold again. And I mean, now and now for me, because I've lived in warm places, like when it's down to 10 degrees Celsius, I'm cold and people think I'm crazy because winter in Canada, minus 20, minus 30, even minus 40 degrees Celsius. Um, but for me, that was a big factor. And so every time when I'm thinking about moving or relocating, I always think, what time of the year is it? What is their weather like? Because for me, I know for sure that's one thing that I don't like. And that eliminates so much from so many places or times of the year or countries for me. And so for other people too, that can eliminate a number of things of, okay, well, what don't I want? And it eliminates all of those potential things to help reduce down the, what do you want? Mm. It is such a big question. It's not a question that I think a lot of people are having enough of, or most people aren't having enough of. I've got my own beliefs around that. And part of it, I think, is just we're simply not taught to. We're, we're, we're taught to be a model of our system and we've got all the systems and the structures and, and the environments that make the society work as we know it they're in place for a reason whether we agree with them or not or whether we like the society that we create or not that's beside the point we're conditioned to fit in and make the society and systems work so it wouldn't be probably beneficial in the constructs that we have to be asking that question what is it that we want my own opinion is though and I'm quite happy to break the system totally and rebuild it in a way that's going to be more healthy and functional for everyone, that would be going, what about if we all really tapped into our truest essential nature of who it is that we are and come from that place? Then that question would be taught from a very young age. What is it that you really want? And operating from that place, I think what an incredibly different world would be in scary yeah because it's very uncertain and we wouldn't know how to do it it would take it must be a whole learning curve i wouldn't even know where to start with that 
But I feel like I'm making that start. I've made that start for myself. I made that start for or helped my clients either start or continue their process on that journey. And they're getting really wonderful results. So we're coming together and creating the impact. And the fathers or the mothers are imparting those new systems and beliefs into their children. And this is the domino effect. And we're seeing it, I think. I think we're already seeing it in society over the last, well, since the pandemic for sure. But, you know, it seems to be speeding up. I'm excited for that. I, I agree. And I mean, even there's more and more scientific studies too that are proving like, I understand marketing is done to sell you stuff. And they they use certain words and things and phrases because we all want to feel good. We all want to be happy. We all want to feel special and important and those types of things. And they use that to get us to buy things. But then we also know that studies have proven like we buy something, we feel good for a day, a week, maybe a month, mm. um, you know, we get that brand new car and it's amazing. We're so excited. We're never going to eat in it. It's always going to be clean. And a month later, no more than six months later, there's, it's dirty. There's, you know, you're eating in it and, and those things change because that wears off. And so then it's buying the next, buying the next, but the studies have also shown too, when they've given money to people and they said, you know, 50% of them, you spend this money on whatever you want. And then how do you feel after? And the other half, it's like, you go and you give this money away however you want mm. to, to give it away. If you want to just give it as money or you buy people stuff or whatever it may be. And the people who gave the money away um, and helped others felt happier and better longer than the people who just bought something for themselves. Wow. And Isn't so we incredible? really are, uh, as, as human beings, we feel better when we serve people, when we help other people and, and we make an impact on other people's lives, even if it's just small, like, you know, you, somebody buys you a coffee, they're in line in front of you, or I feel good. The odd time I'll, I'll be, I'll buy the person behind me. If I'm going through drive through I'm like, whatever their order is, I'll take care of it. Just tell them to pay it forward somewhere, somehow. And I just assume yeah. and hope that they do at some point. And it, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. There's so much to be said about generosity. I was, I, I did a, um, a, a group coaching session on generosity and there's so much it was well it's more of a facilitation there's so much that came out of the audience and how sure generosity can be giving like you're saying and it feels so good but then the generosity of spirit and sometimes generosity could even be not saying the thing that one really resonated with me you know when somebody is obviously wrong or behaving in a way you don't like or that you kind of feel triggered and you want to say and have the last word because that's been me for a lot of my life generosity of spirit it could be just not saying the thing or like when they get something wrong and I want to be like see I told you so let it go it doesn't matter and like I really love mm -hmm. how encompassing that that really is and then afterwards looking back on that and go well in that moment that I felt really triggered and it was really, everything was really annoying me. I look back on that and go, wow, I actually, I really did act gracefully. Grace. I acted with grace. Mm. And then I feel great. And I reflect on that, acknowledge myself and go, hmm, that's more of who it is that I want to become. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because yeah, sometimes our, our ego gets the best of us. And, and as you were telling that, it, it reminded me of, of two different times where I wanted to say something and both times those things were the truth, but they were also in my mind, I wanted to say it to be hurtful to the other person and to, mm -hmm. to hurt their feelings and make them feel bad because that's what they had done to me. And there was a little part of my brain in both of these situations that said, don't say it. Because once you do, you can't take those words back. That mm. is now said and done forever. And it's not going to prove anything. Be the bigger person. Just let it go. And, and, and I did. And I felt better because I knew that even now, I mean, one of the times was probably 10 or 15, yeah, 10 years ago or something. And another one probably about five time, five years ago. And they, they really stand out that I was like, yeah, those those comments that I could have made would have had on once for sure, very negative, long lasting, probably effects because it was, it could have been quite mean. Um, but yeah. it was my ego saying, well, say this because it's true and it's right. And it'll put them in their place. The other part said, no, there's, 
there's no point. It's it it doesn't accomplish anything long term. And then you'll feel bad for it for the rest of your life. And I was so glad that I had that kind of balance in my in my brain at the time that really did stop me because there's been many times that I've said things and I'm I'm a little bit blunt and to the point. I'm not very good at sugarcoating things because I'm just like, no, get <laughs> and even with people with me, I'm like, get to the point. Like just tell me, get to the point. Let's so I know and I can do it, move on. And not everybody's like that. And there's been times that I've said things that have either come across the way that I didn't mean it or has hurt the feelings of the person. And then I felt bad after. Mm. Yeah. And it's such an important point. When you say something going on what you mentioned there, you can't ever take it back. And sure, you can apologize, but it's always going to be remembered. And it never helps. It never proves anything. So it's, it really does put a, a mirror in front of us. And I, like this is something that I, I love to go deeper into in, in, in coaching. And you start seeing why this ego part comes out and wanting to be right or try to bring someone else down to elevate ourselves. And it always comes back to some kind of self-worth or um, a feeling of wanting and needing significance. Significance, I think, gets a bad rap. We, we need significance. It's a core human need. Um, there's most people are doing it in a unhealthy unresourceful way trying to elevate ourselves by bringing others down whereas what we're talking about before and helping and serving others when somebody comes back and goes Dan you just what you shared changed my life and I'm forever grateful thank you so much and I'm like wow like you're so welcome and it feels just so good every time I get that message it doesn't matter how big or how small I feel just so grateful that I get to do the work that I do because it's such a healthy form of significance and to know that we matter, we all need to know that and that we belong, mm -hmm. we matter and we want to be loved. And so when we're acting out of that place of in spite or, you know, trying to get the ego part, it's just putting that reflection and going, well, what is unhealed within us? What needs healing? What, what do we need to come to terms with and look and work through? Um, I, I think it's really powerful work. Again, those that resonate with this message are prepared to do it but there's many like if somebody told me that when i was 25 i would have been like no that's not me i wouldn't have even heard it <laughs> i'm like i don't know what you're talking about i'm fine <laughs> yeah um but and then there's a whole group, it's, it's there's a whole group of people that will be doing it at 40 or 50 and they're getting the results in life that it is that i think everyone's getting the results that they deserve Everyone's getting, people don't like this message. I think this upsets a lot of people, but I'll still say it. You get the relationships that you deserve. The relationships, the friends, the, the intimate relationships, the colleagues, the bosses, the clients. We all get the relationships that we deserve based on our behavior, our expectations, our standards that we're setting and the way that we show up. So you don't have great relationships in life. Again, it's the mirror of oh, how can we show up differently? Right, right. And it, it comes back to just like that, that definition of insanity. If you don't like mm -hmm. the, like you said, your relationships, your clients, your colleagues, your coworkers, your, your friends, like whatever it may be, it's you're it's if you're doing the same thing over and over again, those are the relationships you're always going to continue to have. So you mm -hmm. are getting what you deserve in the sense of maybe you're not putting up certain boundaries. Maybe you're not um respecting people back respecting people or you know whatever it is however you're acting thinking talking dressing saying like all of those things so it, it is true we we are exactly where we are in every area of our life because of everything we have done and I know that people come back and say oh well I had to deal with this or this happened to me it wasn't my fault well, you know what? We're all Dale crappy cards. Mm -hmm. We all have mm -hmm. bad things that have happened to us. Some horrendously bad, um, you know, but we all go through different types of trauma. It's not what has happened to us. It's how we respond and react to those yes. things. Um, and, and that is that what makes us who we are. And that has made us all exactly in the places that we're in because, you know, I, I believe that the, the saying, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And some of us are really, really strong because we've been through a lot of things, but also those things make us who we are and how we respond to them make us mm. who we are. And therefore we have the relationships and the lifestyle and the people around us because of those decisions that we make. And by not making a decision is making a decision. Mm. So people, but, but I didn't do this or I didn't do that or I, but you made a decision not to do anything. You made a decision 
you know, not to change whatever it is. So you made a decision and you can't say, oh, it's not my fault. I didn't do this or that. Well, it is because you didn't do something in respond to that situation. Yeah, it's, it's such a powerful point. I think it's it really, it, if everyone knew that and acted upon that, the world, one, would be a different place, but everyone would be getting a much different outcome as well. I think we'd all be better off. It's hard though. It, it's really scary giving the credit to those that oh, are doing is. that. I think it just takes so much courage. I have so much respect and admiration. It, the vulnerability in that alone is, mm. is the strength, but it also takes a lot of courage. So yeah, we were doing the best that we can with what it is that we got. And the the what you mentioned before, the response, I really love that. Like trauma isn't created by an action. It's created by what the response to that action. And that's mm. where the trauma is mm. formed. Um, and so when we understand that, we don't have to be victims anymore. You see a lot of people walking around with this victim mentality because they're carrying that event along with them like it's on their back and making that mean they are that person. But when you separate the trauma, the response from the person, then it's like, okay, well, that shitty thing happened to you. It was really shitty for a lot of people and we can give total mm -hmm. respect to that. But it happened mm -hmm. back then. It doesn't have to right. happen every day, every moment of who it is that you are anymore. So that's right. there's a big release and a, a lot of understanding that can come from that. That's right. And so um, we were talking before that you were in Bali, but I know you've recently um, been doing some traveling. So your coaching business works great for that because I'm, you, you know, you're online and you can coach and, and do, and do your traveling. So there's definitely some pros and cons with um, running a business while traveling. So how do you kind of balance all of that for yourself? Very, very challenging. Like one thing that they didn't teach me at entrepreneur school or living the freedom lifestyle, laptop lifestyle, whatever they want to call it these days. And one of the things that isn't talked about anywhere near enough is I think most people inherently know building a business is not that easy. Um, entrepreneurship takes a lot of attention. It takes a lot of decision making. Um, I think one of the key criteria in life and in success is the ability to make decisions in the face of challenge navigate that uncertainty entrepreneurship is all uncertainty and we need to develop that skill so that's one section now when you decide to travel at the same time as doing that traveling is all uncertainty and trying to make decisions where is it that we're going to go booking the flights the transportation how where is it we're going to stay what is it we're going to eat so even what underwear am i going to wear now that it's all dirty i don't have a washing machine you know like it's just so much. And then scheduling, like, if you work in digital marketing or say just something that's not client facing, I, I imagine it'd be a bit easier when it's like working with clients and I work with in a lot of group facilitations. So I'm tra traveling with a portable studio that I got to set up and, and trying to schedule where it is that I'm going to be um, with facilities that are going to allow it to then serve the people that are attending as well as you know, manage the business, the travel and everything comes together. I think that is a challenge that never seems to get easier. I, I, I do feel like I'm getting born proficient, but as I get more proficient, there's always a new challenge to overcome and go, huh, wow, like I've got to deal with that now. But I guess that's what, that's what creates confidence or certainty within myself and going back to going, okay, well, I can trust myself. I can handle it. When I've got that self-trust to handle something, I can take a greater challenge, take on a greater challenge, get a greater outcome, get a greater reward, and life is better as a result. So, yeah, going back to the very start of this conversation, go yeah, well, there's always going to be challenges. The challenges that we are choosing to have, like, I, I think this is actually a, a problem in the world, and it might be a bit political, but, and I won't go into the details too much, I, I think the world doesn't have enough quality problems like we've created a sense of ease in society and so now a lot of society is focusing on really low quality problems that isn't really going to serve much you know it's kind of like talking about and arguing over stuff that's totally irrelevant and in, in, in my opinion and probably a lot of people's opinions as opposed to going let's go and do some hard stuff like let's go and survive at a higher level and get out of survival but let's go and serve at a higher level let's go and create value at a higher level and that's where it is that I'm aiming to go so going back to 
the challenges, it's like going, okay, well, life on the road, life in business, life in service, figure it out, get better, become more proficient, and then take the next level challenge. <laughs> okay. Why do I do this to myself? Because I think that's where happiness resides. We need the challenge. And so it's a repeating cycle that never gets easier. <laughs> right. I, you know what? I completely agree with everything that you said. We, a lot of society is focused on things that really don't matter. Like who cares? There's so many other bigger problems that we should be focused on. And we feel better when we resolve problems mm. and we get over challenges. It's like, we have that frustration at first, but then we get it figured out. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, I did it. Or I made it a little bit better. And each time we make things a little bit better because the it almost back to what we said at the beginning too, the, the harder the challenge, the more we grow, the better we feel, the longer we feel better. Mm. And so it it is important and it is unfortunate when I look at a lot, like I don't even watch the news. It's very rare because I just shake my head at some of the things people are arguing about or and I just think really that's on the news or really that's important um and it's and it's just not and the important things that are going on are not being talked about not shown and um it's oh. it's very frustrating so hopefully hopefully we see a change before the world gets worse mm. well the news is entertainment isn't it it's yeah just a, well, it's just the, another reality news... tv show, show. yeah <laughs> sort of it's I saw a clip the other day. Um, I can't remember what I was on, but it was a clip where it was these news people. They were they were talking. Um, they were they were talking about an individual, and um, and they were saying, "Oh, this person's getting so much control, and they they're influencing people." And the one news person said, and it was just kind of at the end of the clip, they were like, "Well, that's wrong. That's our job." And I was like she just say that it's the job of the news to influence people, to make them believe certain things, to make them vote certain ways, to make people mm -hmm. do stuff. And I just thought, wow, I remember as a kid, like the news was just to give information. This is what's going on. You make a decision yourself, or at least that's what mm -hmm. I thought it was as a kid. I, maybe it wasn't as, as clean cut as that, but um, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting that, um, well, they also say though, too, when, when we keep people in fear and scared, they're easier to control. They don't want oh, people absolutely. to question or to ask or to think for themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, being trained in uh, things like neuro-linguistic programming, understanding if you're familiar with um, Milton Erickson, he's got uh, um, Milton language, which is mm -hmm. like hypnotic language understanding these different language patterns and how to guide someone's conscious thinking in the direction where it is that they want to go I think it's a very powerful skill that's what we use to help people overcome whatever it is that, that's going on in their life and 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 reach an even more wholeness of who it is that they are I feel like I'm using this power for good sometimes my girlfriend she says that I use some magic language to woo her into this relationship <laughs> we laugh about it I was like, I just helped you do more of what it is that you want to do. But I think like, you know, anyone that has in the media and marketing, you know, mentioning marketing before, all the greats, everyone has access to this knowledge because it's just human psychology and understanding how mm -hmm. it goes. When we become aware that exists, then I think we can bring a maturity that everyone has a, a motive. And whether it's a good motive right. or a bad motive, I think probably it's still subjective. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe humanity is... is, is really evil i think everyone's just got their own motives and they're all doing what it is that they are doing based on what it is that they believe mm -hmm. and so but once we become aware of it and i i believe communication is something that everyone can improve at and probably should so oh, then yes. we can make more informed decisions then uh, that is another element of freedom to me is to be able to mm -hmm. look objectively at something and then bring our own thoughts and values and beliefs to it and then again, again come back to making a decision based on that um because versus what i think what a lot of the world is doing is you've got an external stimulus it comes in and then your internal response it's immediate and so people are living in fear as you say frustration stress despair 
based mm-hmm. on all the external stimuluses. And that's not freedom, no matter how much money. Like the, the clients that I have, they're right. six, seven figure, figure business owners, high performing people on paper, they should have all the freedom. They've got the money, they've got the travel, they can do anything of that as they want, but they're feeling trapped because they don't have a gap between the external stimulus and the, the internal response. And so it's my job to help them create that. And now with internal, with that internal space, that's what provides freedom. That's, I think that's the, 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 the gold standard of freedom. Once we have that, then we can really direct our life in the best way that it is that we want, whether it's traveling or whether it's family, whether it's building a business, making a different decision or just choosing to feel anything other than stressed and overwhelmed. We can feel joy and freedom and love and appreciation and gratitude. So I think that's, that's where it is that I'm always going. No, that's that's perfect. And that's that's great. And I think it is the best note to to end things on. And so, Daniel, if people want to get in touch with you, um, how is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, on Facebook, uh, I've been, I'm kind of trying to get off Facebook, to be honest, but Daniel, Daniel Lawson, I should be able to be found there. Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm starting to build up a bit more of a presence there. My website has heaps of cool resources, Parallax Transformation, so Parallax spelled with a double X, so P-A-R-A-L-L-A-X-X, transformations.com. You search my name, Daniel Lawson Coach. I think I've got my SEO now that I'll come up first. <laughs> it's a kind of a common name. Uh, and um, on my website, actually, I've just released a book called Three Toxic Lies That Keep You Busy, Stressed, and Unfulfilled. Really cool book. It actually touches on that last point I made around creating more internal freedom. So one of, I think what holds people back from freedom is either time and money. Um, but there is, especially the hustle culture, it's, been rooted in these three toxic lies that we cover in that book so heaps of cool value in that not a long book can create massive change within 60 90 minutes for some really powerful activities in that that you can get going right away so it'll be available on amazon shortly otherwise on my website there might be still a free download there depending on when this is released and who's listening to it and when otherwise reach out and i can send you a copy All right. And we'll make sure that we have all of those links in the show notes to make it easy for everybody to get in touch with you. And I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I know the listeners got some valuable information. You're so welcome. It's been such a pleasure. And I hope we get to do this again. I love the conversation. I feel like we could chat all day. (laughs) I feel the same way. So I'm sure we probably will do it again. Cool. Thank you so much.